This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome in, my friends, to an exciting episode of Behind the Pen. My name is Mike Rankin, and today I am joined by a founding... No, I keep calling you a founding member a founding of MVP, member. but not even I feel all. like you are because you're everywhere. I am everywhere, but I'm not a founding member. Sean Anderson joins me. Hello. He's a host of some show on this... Fast break. Thank you very much you're for welcome. whatever the podcast hosts, whatever <laughs> this is. Uh, we're going to talk a lot of stuff today, but first got to plug our Patreon page or else uh, Ricky's going to come after me He'll and talk fire, about yeah. why the Vikings are better than the Bears, and I just don't agree with him at all. So well, he's an idiot. Go to patreon.com backslash most valuable podcast, become a patron, donate a couple bucks, and uh, we'll help you enjoy us more and... Well, it helps us produce better content, if, right, Chuck? Also, if you you donate a dollar, you also get an exclusive monthly podcast that uh, Mike and I and Brandon are for uh, July. It so was a good one. Time to, yeah, to and donate. also you get an exclusive selfie of me shirtless. That's not that's not true. Oh, come on, we're trying well, to get you, people if you, in. If you DM Mike on Twitter and you're a patron, then you'll probably get it. Well, you really don't have to be a patron to get. Uh, wait, 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 all right, whatever. If you're a patron, both of us will be shirtless. <laughs> there we go. See, we now, might be we incentives. both might be shirt, we, mo- we both might be shirtless right now. We could. They be. don't know. Well. Maybe, maybe not. That's up to your imagination. If we had a video camera here, I think we, we it would be a little bit better, but we don't. So we're going to talk about sports behind the mic on Behind the Pen. So, Sean, before we get into everything we got to talk about, yes, you know, Mr. Rankin. there's some Stanley Cup final news. Um, the Pittsburgh Penguins won again. Oh, which I called. Very good yeah, I on called you. them at seven, but well, fair enough. I mean... Honestly, to touch on that subject real quick, was it the best Stanley Cup matchup this year? Possibly, probably not. I think like potential matchup or just no, like, yeah, right. Like no, San Jose Sharks and I don't even think the Penguins were the best team in the league this year. Uh, not at all. So I mean, if you if you're going for something that would actually, I mean, if you're going for best teams, it would probably be most likely like the Ducks and the Capitals, just because they did have the best regular mm-hmm. seasons. I mean. Uh, Obviously, Chicago would be just big matchup-wise. I mean, Pittsburgh, Chicago would have been big just because two big markets. I was thinking markets. Tampa, but, I mean, they were yeah. riddled with injury. and I mean, Tampa wasn't bad, and I mean, but Tampa didn't have Stamkos. Yeah, I mean, so, so a lot of things Well, Stanley them. Cup's over, so that means we're one step closer to just focusing on baseball and football. Yeah, I just need to get rid of the uh, finals. For the, the NBA, NBA finals is, could end tonight as we record this podcast. Game 6 is going on, and I'm hoping for a Game 7. And you know what? The NBA might manipulate it to the point where it, it could go to Game 7. See, I'm not on the whole conspiracy about manipulating stuff. Oh, I mean, it's, it's not a conspiracy, Sean. It happened. All right. Well, all right, if it is, whatever. But I mean, look, I, I, I talked about this on our game five reaction. I mean, looking at Draymond Green, I mean, he, he he's a prior oh, he offender. Deserved it. He he's deserved a prior that offender. Suspension. He, he deserved this suspension. The only thing I'm upset about is that it took 48 hours to come to the conclusion sure. that you're going to suspend. Well, him. Are you surprised? Probably not. All right. Well, yeah. Bam. Okay. So baseball. baseball news. Thank you for mentioning that because, <laughs> um, you know, one of the most exciting players who didn't start in the major leagues. Ichiro Suzuki had just broken the professional hit record. Now, I know there is this kind of conversation of, well, he spent a lot of time in Japan, and, you know, the Japan leagues is kind of a step down. Not kind of is a step down from yeah. the majors, and people kind of question whether or not it's a professional league. Well, Pete Rose, I'm talking directly to you. Shut the hell up. <laughs> uh, you're senile and old. You don't know how, what the hell's going on anymore anyway. But Ichiro is a 
is a unique specimen of the baseball world, if I had to say so myself. Yeah, the thing with Ichiro, I mean, if you look at him, I mean, if you don't agree that he's not the professional hit league, I mean, the thing is, Pete Rose is still the king of hits for when it comes to the MLB. I mean, 4,000 hits is absurd mm-hmm. for no matter what player. I mean, Pete, Pete Rose is still the hits king in my mind just because, you know, it, it, and I'm not on the side of, you know, well, if we're counting Ichiro's Japan hits, why aren't we counting, you know, Pete Rose's Little League hits? Well, because there's a difference there. But, I mean, looking at Ichiro, I mean, if he played... When he was 18 in the MLB, I mean, this guy would have maybe gotten close to 5,000 hits. I mean, it, it, it's spectacular what Ichiro's doing. And what he's still doing at 42, I mean, he's having a phenomenal year batting over 340. I mean, he's 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 phenomenal. Ichiro, I mean, even with the glove, too. I mean, it was, I remember, like, throws from the warning track. Sure. Him gunning guys down uh, at the inside the park home run in the All-Star game in uh, San Francisco. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ichiro's one of the nice. m- most fun play- players to watch. And, I mean, Ichiro's a legend, uh, whether, you know, he he's... You know, seen as the hit king or not, I mean, he's going to get to three thousand this year, so he'll still have that milestone. For I think him. there's an asterisk next next to his accomplishment, but you can't take away anything from it because he's been a pro baseball player his entire career. See, the thing is, it's not like Barry Bonds, where he's like it, it's tainted because right, you know, he, he cheated. He cheated. I mean, it, the thing is, he's just spent years overseas, and I mean, I mean, I, the thing is with Ichiro too, he comes up immediately at age twenty seven, mm-hmm. and he absolutely takes the league by storm. Performs like. He was like no one ever. An all-star 10 straight seasons once he came up. 200 hits in 10 straight seasons. Every single one of those all-star seasons had uh, 200 hits. He was the hit leader in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8 of those seasons, I believe if I'm counting correctly. Eight, 7 or 8 of those seasons, which is incredible. In and of itself, he led the league in batting average consecutively. This guy, and he could steal. And you know what? The thing is with Ichiro, and if you watch him during batting practice, I know where you're, you think I'm going with this because it's been said a lot. Ichiro puts on a freaking show in batting practice because mm-hmm. he has such ultimate control over the bat. He can spray each field, and if he wanted to, he would hit 20, 25 homers a year, but that's not the kind of player he was. Yeah, and he was a leadoff hitter. I mean, the thing is, he's kind of kind of like Jeter and the guy where you know he can put it just where he can get on base. I mean, Jeter's known for going opposite field. Ichiro's known for that slap style of hitting. I, uh, looking at Ichiro, I mean, whether you say he is the prof- professional hit, he, hit, hit the leader or not, he's still not the hit leader of the MLB. So, I mean, obviously, Pete Rose can still hold on, yeah, clutch I mean, yeah. on that memory. Uh, but, I mean, even looking at Ichiro, he's, he's an icon in Seattle. He's an icon just in the field. I mean, winning, I think, seven gold gloves. I think he was silver slugger for uh, outfield like four times in his career. Ichiro's a legend. Ichiro's a legend no matter what. Ten gold gloves, uh, an MVP award, and a Rookie of the Year award in the same season. And now you brought up the fact that he's 42 and playing this year, still doing well. And that also goes to the fact that Giancarlo Stanton's been awful mm-hmm. with the stick. And I mentioned yeah. that because he's on my fantasy team. It's pissing me off. <laughs> that sucks. But, yeah, it does. Because Ichiro, <laughs> well, Ichiro, it's really fun to still watch him play. And I love, I love the fact that... You know, he's getting a chance with the Marlins. He, he was able to break the hit record. And hell yeah, Ichiro, when, when, I grew up watching this guy. Mm. I love him. He, he's a folk hero around here. So Yeah, I, I love him too. And, and you obviously saw the downfall of his career after the 2010 season, where I think he was dealing with injuries, and then he went down to 272, 283. He went back up to like 300 with the Yankees, but he only played like 67 games. Now this year, you can actually see kind of a resurgence of Ichiro, kind of getting back, not to the same level he was, but obviously above the, the seasons of 2011, 2012, Well, he was able to play over 150 games in almost every season except one. And 2014 yeah. was really his bad season as we're looking at the stats right now because we're kind of cheating. But at the same time, hey, man, Ichiro Suzuki, keep playing. Now, at the same time, like, you look at old people 
playing the game still? Yeah. David Ortiz, man. David Ortiz is slugging over 700. I mean, A-Rod, A-Rod last year. He was, and A-Rod, too. Last year, he was Look fantastic. Look at A-Rod. I mean, and Adrian Beltre, Carlos Beltran. These guys are still killing it. And you know why? It's because professional hitters never stop learning how to hit. And they're always good, going to be good at hitting. It's just a matter of whether they can stay healthy. Yeah, that and eye vision. As long as your vision's still there, you're sure. still going to be able to pick out the ball. And it's really, I mean, these guys have been honing their craft, and it's, and they don't have to still have the same power. I mean, Big Poppy obviously still has the power mm-hmm. there. But, I mean, with like guys like A-Rod or Beltran, they don't have to rely on the home run, and they're not going to put up 30 home runs each you know each game. But, I mean, still, they're able to to get on base and draw walks, and, I mean, they're still they're still valuable players. We had to bring up this Ichiro conversation because it is news, and it's, it's awesome news, in my opinion, because I love watching him play what he was able to do is just incredible so Ichiro first ballot hall of famer once he's eligible without no doubt doubt. and if anybody disagrees then you're idiots (laughs) honestly that's it that's that's all it is all right well we mentioned baseball first because my Chicago Cubs (laughs) Mr. Sox fan over there is a little jealous that the Cubs are still the best team in baseball as I record this podcast you lost you lost two two and three it was a very exciting series we don't have to dive into that series because it'll be a forgotten uh, memory you did almost get uh, no hit by uh, Scherzer luckily how many times did that happen to the Cubs yeah luckily Addison hit a bomb in the uh, in the fifth inning they were getting no hit by Brandon Finnegan earlier in the year and they ended (laughs) up winning that game too I think Russell hit a home to break that Addison Russell's clutch as Hell, he if is. you look at his average with runners in scoring position, it's up over like 340. Hey, my White Sox, man, they got a they got a uh, superstar shortstop in the making, and uh, in Tim Anderson, uh, Russell's better. Well, we're not talking White Sox today. right now, yeah, but not, not Mr. Sean Anderson because the Chicago Cubs just made a roster move, and I know there have been a flurry of roster moves, but another young top prospect is up, and a lot of people have been waiting a while this move to happen. But Wilson Contreras, Wilson Contreras, a Prospect catcher developed in the minor leagues with the Chicago Cubs is finally coming up. And there's a lot to talk about here because it develops a conversation of whether or not they're going to... Because they, they're riddled with injuries right now. Mm-hmm. Timeless Dell is hurt. Jorge Soler is hurt. Schorber obviously got Schorber's hurt. out for the year. Yeah. But what I'm saying is with Soler and, and Listella, they have roster spots. So when they come back up, they're going to have to make moves. And I mention this because Albert Almora was called up and they traded for Chris Coglin. Mm-hmm. So now you have Contreras, who assumes to be on the roster for a long time. Because if, if he wasn't, then why would they call him up? Uh, Albert Almora has been absolutely killing it since being recalled. And Chris Coglin, quite frankly, is... Well, he legit has the worst war among all of like major league players who qualify for that stat. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of things that the Cubs can do. I want to. I'm curious to hear your opinion. Well, obviously, I mean, there's rumors with Solaire that he might be moved to the Yankees for possibly Andrew Miller. I mean, th- th- those are obviously out there. And you you were talking that Montero is obviously struggling at the plate. So, I mean, obviously, you want to see what Montero might be able to do. Maybe you want to move him. Uh, I look at that though, and I mean, I, I see, I see three catchers is not a necessity for any team. I mean, you have David Ross, you have Montero, and you have, uh, you have now the uh, now you have Contreras coming up. So maybe you send back Contreras down. That frees up a roster space there because you are calling him up. But I mean, the kid's still young and he still has minor league options, so you could send him back down. Uh, Mora, I mean, the way he's producing, I don't think you got, I don't think you can call him down at all unless he unless he like starts to fall off the table. Then you could call him down. But looking at his, his performance so far, I mean, you want to see him probably take more walks or probably you know. It show a little more power, but I mean, still betting three fifty three is is I mean, stupid for a kid that young. So I, I look at the, you know your guys' roster and see like who you can send down, who who you can like move around. And I mean, I, I don't really see anyone who's like 
kind of hurting this team that much. Right. I mean, you might might be able to pull someone out of the bullpen, but then again, you might be hurting your bullpen if you're doing that. So I'm not entirely sure where the Cubs should go. I mean, Solaire, maybe you don't need him up here. Maybe, I, I mean, looking at it, it's just, it's, just, it's just really tough for me to find a guy right. who's saying, yeah, yeah this guy can go. For me, too, is trying to understand what the Cubs can do with this roster situation because they value each man on the 25-man roster as a guy that they want to maximize their roster, right? Mm-hmm. Every single position, they want to have a solid contributor because you don't want to look at the catcher's position and be like, oh, well, they can compensate for that lack of production with all the rest of them because it's th- that's not what good teams do. And with, you mentioned Montero. The problem with Montero is I think he's hurt. I think he's playing hurt, and he's getting older, sure, but you can tell he's not moving very well behind the, uh, behind the plate, and that's concerning. And you mentioned David Ross. And with this situation, you mentioned the three keeping three catchers. I think with the Cubs, it's a very smart thing to do. Mm-hmm. I know it, it eats up a roster spot, but when you have David Ross as a key contributor to your team, you can't rely on him to play 60 games a year. You know, So you're going to have to add a third catcher in that situation. Tim Fedorovich, who just got DFA'd in uh, the wake of the Contreras call-up, that had to happen. But what I'm what I'm thinking is maybe Coglin it gets the short. I know they traded for him, but if you if Elmora keeps producing the way he is, you can't send him back down. Yeah. And when Listella is healthy, you can't send him down because he's a valuable left-handed bat who could play anywhere on the infield. And, and you're not moving Solaire. And Solaire is going to have to take up a roster spot unless you trade him, like you mentioned. So there's but a then lot of things. If you're trading him for a guy like Miller, he's going to take up a roster spot anyway. So you're just basically trading players, and they're still going to take you up a roster spot. And you mentioned the Cubs and possible trade opportunities. I touched on this in my last podcast, and I do believe the Cubs, if there's going to be a move that they make, it has to be for a late inning reliever, preferably left handed. Yeah, because, I mean, if you look at their bullpen right now, I mean, the guy that I was I would say you can send down is probably Clayton Richard. You could just DFA his yeah, ass. Because, I mean, he's not doing a lot. But then again, if you were looking for lefty relievers, I mean, it's it's him and Travis Wood. So I mean, Travis Wood's been very very good this year, though. And you, and you, yeah, I know. But I'm saying like you you need right. you need lefties in that pen. So if you're going to be able to trade Soler, then you can obviously DFA Clayton Richard. So I mean, I look at I look at guys like that. And I mean, I, I, it's it's hard to see where the the Cubs would go or can really go. I mean, I, I think he's he's obviously a sore spot mm-hmm. in that bullpen. If you're able to get a different lefty reliever, and then, and then obviously that makes him expendable. What's exciting about the Cubs and how awesome Cub fans are is they are leading in baseball in the all-star voting in the infield. It's disgusting. No, not really. It's disgusting. Rizzo's at first, Zobris at second, he's having a great season, Addison Russell's at short, Chris Bryant's at third, and Dexter Fowler's leading it in center field. But here's the thing. Now, you can argue... Daniel Murphy is having a better season than Ben Zobrist. That's you could argue Brandon Crawford's having a ben, better season than Addison Russell. But at the same time, the production that these guys are are, are having uh, during this season, right? Mm-hmm. A season full of expectations, full uh, coming off a 97-win season, and they're a, they're producing like they are this year. Like It's just so incredible. Chris Bryant having a career year. Ad, I know Anthony Rizzo's numbers are down, yeah. but he's still slugging and getting on base, so... 
See, the thing with Rizzo, I, I'm fine with Rizzo. I'm fine with Chris Bryant because Chris Bryant's one of the best third basemen. I would say, you know, guys like... Top three in the yeah, NL for sure. I would say sure. N- Nolan Ar- Arenado deserves Matt a nod Carpenter. because, yeah, he's... He, I mean, I think Arenado's the best third baseman in yeah. the game right now. Uh, but, I mean, I can understand because... I mean, I, I understand why they're all top in voting because Chicago's the second, third largest media market in, in, the, in, the, in the world. We saw pulling what, a Royals from last uh, year. Sorry, yeah. The third largest media market in the United States and they're pulling a Royals. They saw what the Royals can do. So with 12.1 million people voting, they're obviously going to get a lot of votes. But, I mean, with like Addison Russell, I mean, Corey Seager can definitely be taking that shortstop spot. I mean, I think he's been playing he's great. Playing better. Crawford, you named him. Villar in Milwaukee's been doing better. He's Sto- great, too. Story's been, I mean, killing it. He's kind of fa- fallen off lately. But, I mean, those all those guys have bigger wars than uh, Russell right now. I mean, it, it's kind of disgusting. I understand what's going to happen. They're mm-hmm. most likely going to. I, I mean, I just hope that Arietta's not the starting pitcher. Give it give it to Kershaw. Get it a Dodger should out be. There. It should be Clayton Kershaw. Clayton Kershaw. And if he hasn't. If, if people are still arguing that Kershaw isn't the best pitcher in the game. You're an idiot. I, not necessarily an idiot because you can, I guess, make an argument for others. But Kershaw is just proving time and time again that this. You want to get the you want to get the crown as as the best in baseball. You got to go through him first. So I'm not taking anything away from Arietta. Arietta's pitching the lights out. I mean, yeah, the kid, but the, the longevity of right what you're saying. Like, Arietta's like fantastic. Kershaw, look at what Kershaw's oh done gosh. his whole career. Yeah, Arietta burst it on the scene. He's been fantastic. Fantastic. Three, three really good years for Arietta, but Kershaw. Look at Kershaw's WAR. I mean, four point three. The closest next is Danny Salazar with three point four. I mean, Kershaw kills it. I mean, one hundred thirty three strikeouts is stupid. One point five eight ERA. I mean, Kershaw is the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, there's really no argument there. Uh, yeah. I, I would have to agree with you. And he should be the starting pitcher. So I mean, we'll we'll at least get one Cub that's not a starting pitcher. Right? <laughs> I think so. The infields, all the all Cubs. Uh, the catcher's not a Cub, right? I voted for David Ross. You did voted for David Ross, but I don't think he's the, I don't think he's currently the leader. <laughs> no. And then uh, I think it's uh, Yadi. Yeah, I think there's one player in the outfield that's. I think Fowler's in center. Fowler's in center. Yes. Yeah, but yes. outside of that, the right, the yeah. the corner outfield uh, spots are not yeah, Cubs. No, the Cubs, they definitely have plenty of all stars. Definitely Rizzo's one. Uh, pretty much everybody we named should be an all star besides David Ross. But it would be awesome if they got him in. But you know that that probably won't happen. But I want to yeah. touch back on this whole Wilson Contreras promotion because the importance of this call up is for him to now. As we discuss catchers and the value of the catcher position, we're talking about more than what re- like reaches the eye, right? Mm. You don't want to look at solid numbers because that just diminishes the value of the position. What is important, you see the communications between Ross and Montero, how they deal with their pitching staff, how they understand what to call in certain situations. And Miguel Montero, you want to see... like. Wilson Contreras, a 22-year-old catcher, come up, whatever, how old he is, and tell John Lackey, a guy who's been in the league for 15-plus years, be like, no, throw this pitch. and it, It's not going to happen. So right now what they're doing is developing a repertoire for Contreras to understand each pitcher's philosophy and whatever. the, how, the Just feel them out. Get them as much playing time as you can by, say, September and then he's ready for a playoffs. Yeah, that's the thing. I mean, with with catchers, you kind of want them being the captain of your team. I mean, that's why a lot of catchers who make the transition from player to, to manager do so well is because they know how to manage a game and they know how to control a team. I mean, I look at a guy like A.J. Brzezinski. I mean, he, with his time in the White Sox, I mean, he was a, a beloved character in the locker room. He was a beloved character f- for Sox fans. He was hated by everyone else because, you know, he was a true and, and you know, he was a true and true White Sox player. I mean, he was he was rooting for his team. He was controlling his team. And I look at, I look at a guy like A.J., and you know, while he might not have been the best on the field in his later years, he was still a key contributor mm-hmm. 
contributor to the Sox team. And then, you know, going back to the Sox, I mean, a guy like Tyler Flowers, he was never be able to get a going Great defensively. At the plate. Yeah, going, get, couldn't throw guys out, but exactly. he, he knew how to call a game. He wasn't, he wasn't able to, you know, kind of get that same foot in the door with fans and with the, the, the pitching yeah, staff just, as well. He, overall, Flowers just wouldn't produce enough. But with the Cubs, it's Montero. You see Montero's value last year. Now his, it's diminished big time with the bat. He hasn't been hitting, and that's apparent. So what you were saying is I would not rule out a Miguel Montero trade. And I, if that happens, I think it benefits the Cubs. And one thing that benefits the Cubs, too, is still having David Ross. Because David oh, Ross yeah. is still a lock, locker room leader there, and he'll be able to get Contreras like, fitting in with the pitching staff. I mean, it might not be a, a certain click right away, but with, with David Ross, I mean, people still respect him. And mm-hmm. people will probably try to understand Contreras' mindset going in as just being a young player. And, I mean, if, if he can contribute with a oh, bat. Oh, he like can he's, still ball. Yeah, I, I mean, if he can still do what he's doing in <laughs> Triple A batting three fifty nine home runs and forty three RBIs in Triple A. I mean, yeah. I oh, mean, Wilson I think the Contreras Cubs, can, think the Cubs but David nice Ross, he's still got some juice left in that stick. And oh he, yeah, it's oh, impressive. And, and now, is doing. he going to be able to keep up the production he's put out since, like, to this point by yeah. the end of the season? Probably not. Almost assuredly not because he's getting of Over. age. Yeah. So it's just I'm so excited. Now, final thoughts as we move on to our next topic. Albert Almora needs to stay on this roster, and Wilson Contreras needs to stay on this roster, and they both need to get as much playing time as possible because, you know what? The Cubs have some flexibility to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Because they have a 10-game division lead on the second-place Cardinals. So, hell yeah. yeah. Take advantage of that. I mean, with the Let Cubs, these kids play. Right now they're 40-22, and 22, so I mean, I think they need 57 more wins in, like, what, I think 102, I, I, I have my math off, but like 100, 100 more games just to hit the 97-win mark that they mm, hit last they're year. They're projected like 115 wins. Yeah, so I mean, I think the, I think the Cubs are I think the Cubs are in good standing. Yeah, they'll you. be fine. I, think, yeah, be I don't fine. think you guys should be pan- hitting the panic button after two losses so, to the Nationals. So, all right, thank you for that conversation, Sean. I know you hate talking about the Cubs because you're a Sox fan, but that's okay. We'll move on to a sport you're a lot more comfortable with, and that's the Hold on, I'm comfortable with No, baseball. I know you're comfortable with baseball, <laughs> but you're a big hockey guy, and I appreciate yes. that because the Chicago Blackhawks made some roster moves similar to the Chicago Cubs, but in this form, they traded away some pieces. Now, I know how you feel about it, so let's discuss. Right. Brian Bickle, Table Teravine, and traded to the Carolina Hurricanes for a second-round draft pick this year and a third-round pick in 2017. Thoughts? First off, I think one of those picks was originally ours, and I think there, in some way it oh, got, it got crazy back to us. With the moving parts. Um, so somehow we got our pick back. Um, first off, I understand the trade. I understand what Scotty Bowman's doing. Getting uh, Bickle off the books, his $4 million contract, and getting a guy in Ter- T- Tavo Teravainen uh, who really didn't hit his stride with the, 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 the Hawks. I mean, we saw some burst of it in the playoffs against the Lightning. We saw, you know, or, I'm sorry, last year in the playoffs, uh, especially in the Stanley Cup uh, against the Lightnings. Uh, Lightnings, Jesus, I'm, I'm <laughs> You're good, you're good. The Lightning. Uh, so obviously we saw his potential here, but then last year was kind of up and down, especially playing on the third line with a guy like Andrew Shaw. He wasn't really hitting his potential. So, I mean, I understand the trade of what I, mean, I understand the trade from a hockey sense and Scotty Bowman's vision, but I just I don't like the trade, mainly because you're getting rid of Bickle, which is fantastic. And I think that should have been done a long time ago. In hindsight, it's you know, 2020, and you definitely don't even sign Bickle to that contract. Yeah, it was a bad move. Yeah. Definitely a bad move. One of the worst moves of Scotty Bowman's no, tenure. No doubt. Uh, but you look at a guy like Tavo, and I mean, Tavo's going to excel in Carolina. I mean, this guy has so much potential offensively. He's so smart, but the thing with that was holding him back is, you know, you got the emergence of Panarin, you got 
Kane, Taze, Hosa. You got all these guys that are holding him back and not me- being able to move him up to an offensive line, and you're keeping him on a line with Shaw right. and you know Kruger and uh, all these guys like you know all, all mixing the, and matching. Yeah, now all we the got guys comfortable who, with the guy. Yeah, yep. kind of are like defensive minded. So. He was never able to hit his stride. Now in Carolina, he'll be able to hit his stride. Uh, I just don't like the move because I, I love Tara Vine so much, and I see his potential, and I see how much how well he's going to do in Carolina. Yeah. I think the thing is, you look at it, and it's apparent. Just look at what happened with the White. Uh, I'm sorry, the Whites, the Blackhawks <laughs> roster up to this point, because you can tell that somebody's at the helm here, and he has say. And I'm talking about Joel Quenville. Joel mm-hmm. Quenville has proven to be a leader in his own sense, by saying, look, this is what I want. I'm a winner. I've won three cups, and I know what I want, and I know what I like, and if I don't like you, you're going to get out of here, and you're not going to play. Look at Now, it sucks because the Blackhawks were in desperate need of defensemen, right? And they moved, They made moves to acquire defensemen. But at the end of the season in the playoffs, we saw Gustafson playing, which was uh, not very good. showed his face a couple Run times. Blad, bad. Yeah. Uh, TVR, he's okay. He'll probably develop into a second-line defenseman. I like TVR. But he's nothing, nothing, right? They had Trevor Daly, Nick Letty. Now, I understand they, they had to move Letty because of his contract, mm-hmm. but those are just some simple examples of prior defensemen that Joel Quenville just didn't care for, and he said, all right, get him out. Well, That's I fine. don't think he, was, he really didn't care about Letty. I mean, the thing with Letty is it was it was mainly that contract thing, and, and the thing, if you look at Letty, I mean, I think if we don't sign Bickle, I think we sign Letty, which I would— Fucking well, wish yeah, we that's did. The thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I look at I look at you know Quinville. Quinville's where it's set. I mean, look at guys like Brandon Peary who's now on the Panthers. You look at a guy like Jeremy Morin. I mean, there's guys who had a lot of offensive potential who were moved. And I think Morin Morin obviously helped because Morin really has not excelled or produced. And but now with the guy with Brandon Peary, he's been up and down, but so, he, show, he still shows that flashes. So I mean, with it's kind of paid off, but it's kind of also bitten the, the Hawks in the ass because, you know, with the guys like that have so much offensive potential, you know, Peary's now on the, the Ducks. I think he put up 29 points last year. Um, it, it's guys that Quinville doesn't truly truly believe in. I mean, it, it kind of could pay off. It kind of can't. So, I mean, this is one that I don't think will pay off, but I understand the move again. And plus, we're going to be able to sign Panarin with that money. So that's, that's another The Hawks definitely upside. did this for the future. Mm-hmm. Uh, looking at their roster, and you know what they've been trying to—they've been maneuvering roster moves over and over again ever since they won their first cup in 2010. Yeah. So this isn't anything new for this organization, especially in management. But the thing is with this one, and I think it's—I think it's a necessary move, and it cost. You, you said it before. In hindsight, 2020, Bickle, don't sign that deal. Got bad, you. very bad, and it cost you Tara Vinen, a very exciting young prospect with potential. But at the same time, with the Hawks and their per- current situation. You're not going to sign him, right? Because you have to invest in Panarin. Mm-hmm. And they brought back Ponick, which I like. And a lot of people and people who know hockey, who I trust and talk to closely, they say that Ponick can develop into a solid player. So Yeah, Ponick's got potential. Yeah. He had potential got size. with uh, Lightning. Yeah. And you know what? He did some nice things last year, so I'm excited to see him further. And they're trying to re-sign Shaw. Now, are they overvaluing tra- uh, uh, Shaw now? Because, you know, you lost... Well. It sucks, too, because the cap is restricting them so much, and you have to pay Panarin an extra two and a half mil of incentives mm-hmm. because of how well he did. So the Hawks are just in a tough position. See, obviously, with Panarin, I mean, it's it's without a doubt you need to sign the kid. The kid, his offensive potential and his repertoire with uh, with uh, Kane is just fantastic. So, I mean, there's there's no questioning there. And then I look at a guy like Andrew Shaw. And it, it Shaw, I mean, if you look at his, his production and you look at his potential— it's, He's not going to get any better. He's not going to get any better, but then again, if you look at him, and he obviously had a down season, but if you look at what he's done 
before in the playoffs and what he's done just from a kind of motivational speech. I mean, or not motivational <laughs> speech, but a motivational standpoint. And you look what, you know, we were talking earlier about the Cubs and how, you know, the catcher kind of runs the, the, the game here. Shaw is not really running the show. I mean, obviously Tazes, but if you look at Shaw, he's kind of that gritty, he's, well, he is that gritty player. He's that guy who gets along with the locker room. He's a guy who is a team player. And, you know, if he's not putting out a ton of points, he can still, you know, he get provides value, right? Yeah, he, he provides so much value with, with Bickle, Bickle was just a big body Ugh. who, I mean, we thought... Could, Sucked in Rockford, yeah. even. He had no well, value, this well, guy. All right, but, well, before we, we saw his, his playoff performance, yeah, we were he, like, oh, well, this guy's going to be a stud. Eight goals in 16 playoff yeah. games or something I mean, like that? It was, there's a difference where he didn't have any talent, and it was really more right place, right time. With Shaw, he was... He's usually right place, right time for scoring goals, but he he provides a lot of uh, uh-huh. value on the power play. Uh, very gritty player, yeah. uh, very fast. I mean, good on the four check. Now this guy, I think this goes back to Joel Quenville and his uh, just his appreciation of specific guys, and I think he values Shaw a lot. And then they're now the management is making moves to keep him. I'm fine with I'm fine with keeping. Shaw. I like Shaw yeah, too. Yeah, yeah I think is, they I'm, should keep him. I'm fine with keeping Shaw, and if we're giving up Shaw. And he's going to play on the third line. If it was really, you know, keep Teravine and play him on the third line, or keep Shaw and play him on the third line, without a doubt, it's give up Teravine and Bickle and, and and sign Shaw. It's it's it sucks seeing a guy like Teravine go out of your grasp. And I hope I wish him yeah. all the best so, in Carolina, but it's going to be difficult to see. Hawks him need to upgrade progress defensively. Oh, without a doubt, for sure. And they got to shore up some things. As long as they manage to keep Panarin, and if they re-sign Shaw, that'd be nice. But did you see that Brent Seabrook deal? Now, that's going to kind of hurt him in the end. I know we don't have to get into it, but they signed him to a long-term extension for a decent amount of money. That's going to keep their cap up there for a while. And another quick thing I want to touch on mm-hmm. is with the NHL and how it's run, something about, I, I know I saw something about a, a team in Vegas. That would be cool. Uh, no, fuck that. Why? That would be awesome. Fuck that. I don't know why. Well, I mean, you have, you have rumblings <laughs> that the Oakland Raiders are going to move to to Las yeah, Vegas. I know. You have it's a prime destination. An expansion team going to Las Vegas for the NHL. Move the to NH- fucking yeah. Quebec. <laughs> Move to fucking what Quebec. What the NHL wants to do is I have no idea. Because What's, okay, I have on. no idea. The, let, their let, approach. I'm, I'm going on a rant here. Go All right. ahead. Look, look at Los Angeles. Look how well hockey does out there. I mean, you have Anaheim, Los Angeles, San Jose, and obviously when it comes to playoff teams, those guys are going to be you know big big draws there. But I mean, you're also in the second largest media market in you know in in the United States. You look at Los uh, Las Vegas. There's no media market out there. It's a big tourist hub, but there's not a lot of diehard fans. That's the one thing that's going to be hard to attract is diehard fans for, in Las Vegas. I think it's a terrible move. I think it's a dumb move. I think it's an atrocious move for the NHL, and I think it's going to be backfiring them in you know seven years when that team's moving. I think what Vegas is is a prime destination for star players, and I think they could recruit players to play there. It's a great place to live. It's obviously a hopping, happening place, but the thing is with Vegas, there's tons of tourists, like you said, and there really isn't a set... I don't know how, how well hockey's going to do with a set fan base there in, in Vegas. I, who knows? Look at the Florida Panthers. The Florida Panthers were a eh, great well, team. Well, I mean, they're Florida, great... they're a bunch of retired old people who that's, don't really care about anything. That's what I'm trying to say. Florida, you know, the, Florida's giving away season tickets before they had this f- fantastic se- They were giving away season tickets. Like It's like if you buy you know, a ticket to the game, we'll give you free airfare yeah. or something stupid okay. like that. I mean, the yeah. Panthers were obviously having huge things like that. Vegas, it's going to be the same problem. You're not going to be able to have a, a consistent fan base. You're going to struggle selling season tickets. We'll see what happens with the Vegas thing. But final point as we move on to another topic. <laughs> uh, I just, what the NHL is doing, they're restricting teams to 
really, I think they want parity in the NHL. They want oh, yeah. different teams to be in the playoffs, different teams playing in the Stanley Cup, and that hurts major market teams like the Chicago Blackhawks because they're always restricting them with salary cap limits and other other collective bargaining things. How many lockouts have there been under the current commissioner? Three? It's Two. brutal. Two of them. It's brutal. Uh, it's absolutely brutal. Not a full lockout. So if you want to, if you want to <laughs> bring in fans, younger generations of fans, I just, this isn't what they're doing right now. I don't think is working. But you know, I'm not smart enough to really understand what's going on in the upper levels in the NHL. So we're just going to leave it at that. And hopefully the Chicago Blackhawks win another Stanley Cup because we're Chicago homers. So whatever. Yeah. Other Chicago <laughs> news that really they play during the same time period, right? Is the Chicago Bulls, both winter sports teams and Bulls and Blackhawks, but the Chicago Bulls, every single time I bring them up, get me pissed off because until <laughs> until this front office gets a change to it, I'm going to be pissed off at them. Well, s- <laughs> lately there's been some rumors going around that Jimmy Butler might be on the trade block, and I don't know. What do you think, Sean? It's... I know I know you're all about the basketball shows here on MVP. You've covered the Jimmy Butler thing enough. We've talked about it enough. What what do you think about these rumors and if they can come to pass? The Bulls need a fresh start. I, I mean, oh you, yes. I mean, without a doubt, yes. whether it's the front office or whether it's it's personnel wise. But the thing is, is I don't want the Bulls. I mean, I'm not even a Bulls fan, but I, I don't want the Bulls getting over anxious that they need to make a deal right away to start the rebuild right away. Because I mean, a place like Chicago. I mean, if if you're if you start to slag off, and I mean, this is this is an exception for every team that's not named the Cubs. I mean, if, if you look at the White Sox, they start slagging off. People didn't start showing up. Blackhawks, they lost their TV deal. I mean, that was obviously due to part of their with their owner, but greedy you know, pig. Yeah, they were they were off TV for a while. You look at the Bears. I mean, the Bears have been up and down. Uh, but you know, oh, when they're just, bad, that stadium's empty. Yeah, when they're bad, the stadium's empty. The thing with the Bulls is it's gonna be the same thing. If you start, you know, declining where to the levels of like 2002, 2003, it's gonna be uh, a nightmare in the United Center. I mean, so with the Bulls is they're gonna rush and they're gonna be anxious about either making a deal to get someone to help Butler or they're gonna make be, get anxious to get Butler out so they can start rebuilding as quick as possible. I think they're gonna get over anxious. I think they're gonna end up making a deal uh, this trade. I mean, uh, near the draft. Either whether it's Jimmy to Butler or Jimmy to Jimmy Butler. the Butler, Jimmy to <laughs> Boston or Jimmy to Minnesota. Uh, I, I mean, I like the rumors of the Bulls won't take anything from Minnesota. That's not the fifth and Andrew Wiggins. I mean, that's it. That's, that's a that's start. A, yeah, that's it. If they were able to pull that deal off, and yeah, I mean, take that because uh, I mean, Wiggins is going to be a superstar here. But uh, the thing with you know Boston, I mean, you're going to get Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder, and the third overall pick. I think that's what basically the 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 you know base of that deal is. And I think that's just, I mean, Boston. It's a bad move for Boston because you're getting away rid of all your defensive depth and your great defensive players mm-hmm. and guys who you know teams wish for for three and D guys uh, in Bradley and Crowder. Uh, I mean, giving up the third is fine because you're you don't need that third for, uh, if you're if you're a playoff team like Boston is. Uh, but you know, with a guy like Jimmy Butler, I mean, Butler has a lot of value, but I think teams will undervalue him when they're tra- trying to trade for him, and the Bulls will overvalue him. So Boy. I don't think I don't think I, I, I think they'll panic and get a deal done, but I think it will be a terrible deal for the I Bulls have side. So much to say about the Chicago Bulls, yeah, because you're not a Bulls, uh, Butler fan. Well, I mean, I like Butler, but I didn't like. I just didn't like what he pulled 
after he signed that mega deal. I just don't like his arrogance. I don't like the fact that he ruined a locker room. I don't like the fact that he undermined. He yes, he did. It, he trashed the locker room. Guaranteed. No. Yes, he did. No. It's yes, he did. Hoiberg's shit. Yeah, you can play Hoiberg all you want, but when you have your star player already undermining him two games into the season, the locker room's destroyed already. There's right. no confidence. It says, okay, coach is harder. Hoiberg's like, okay, I'll coach you harder. And then Jimmy Butler's like, I'm not going to run your offense. Give me an isolation. That's all I'm going to do. And then you got Derrick Rose on the other end trading possessions, each trying to be the man on the floor to be the go-to guy, and there and neither of them are. It's just, it's just. There's now when I, I say think that reflects poorly on the coach. Then I don't think. That's, of course it does. Of but, course no, it does. No, but, but your star player has an impact on that as well. You have literally no assurance from your head coach and no no. No leadership. I mean, look you're looking at, for leadership. In your, I'm sorry to keep cutting you off. It's, it, I'm used to Ricky, so it's actually very refreshing. You have no leadership from your star player because he's all for himself. You have no leadership from your other star player because he doesn't know his body. You have no leadership from the head coach, and you're looking at Taj Gibson, who's on his way out, who's like, well, man, I don't know. You know, it's like, I'm just here. I'm playing. See, then you have Joe Kim Noah on the freaking bench, who already hates... Uh, Hoiberg, who's pretty much gone because Hoiberg was like, all right, man, I'm going to get you off the bench this year. And he's like, okay, but I don't want to. And then Hoiberg's like, whatever. See, I mean, Hoiberg. So I just, many problems. I feel like he's not a, he's not a head coach. He doesn't have the attitude. I mean, we, talk, we talked about this with Tyron Liu and we talked about this with David Blatt. It's, you know, to to hold, or to you know, coach a guy with a superstar mentality like LeBron James, you need to just not give him any options. It says, this is what we're doing or you're just not playing. And, you know, so a guy with, like, Pat Riley, a guy like Eric Spolstra, who learned from Pat Riley, I mean, that's when he succeeded. A guy, a guys like Kobe Bryant and Shaq, they succeeded because Phil Jackson told them what was going on. Great relationships because they respect each other. There is no respect no for respect Hoiberg. For now, Hoiberg. let me say this. If you're going to commit to Hoiberg, goodbye Jimmy Butler. That's all I'm saying. If you're committing to Hoiberg, goodbye Jimmy, because they're not. That's not. It's not going to work together. Now, when I, I say this, because there are there are problems in this organization from top to bottom, and when I say that, I even include the freaking medical staff and the PR staff and the training staff, everything involved. How many times have you seen a guy? Uh, oh, he's good. He's good. He's good. He's good. And then shoot around happens. It's like, oh no, nope, he's not playing tonight. Yep. This is a problem. This is a problem. Now, you mentioned it before. If you want to blow up this team, not technically blow it up, but start, you know, from, you know. Try to rebuild. Thank you. You want to do that. You're, I don't want Garpax doing it. I have no faith in them making the right decisions. Going back to the Jimmy Butler trade, here's what's going to happen. You ask for Wiggins, you ask for their pick. That's not going to happen because the Timberwolves aren't stupid. Yeah. And then, really, realistically, to me, what I see is if this trade goes down, you have to have the Celtics involved. Now, there's going to be a mix, and you're probably going to lose the 14th pick if you're the Bulls. But you could probably get more value in a three-team deal than just either one or the other because they're, they're going to be restricted in that sense. How do you see a three-team deal working if, out? If Boston is involved yeah. and the Bulls ask for Wiggins and their pick. Now, I don't know. Now, it's going to have to be a multiple-type deal. The Bulls are probably going to have to move a piece. Like maybe McDermott throw Snell in there. Possibly Amira Titch. Who knows? There has to be more players than just Butler. Derrick Rose isn't going anywhere. I'm sorry. Nobody wants him. But, isn't going but the, the thing is, I think 
you have, like you said, you don't want to panic and just grab a deal just yeah. to make a deal. You have to get the most value out of Guess Butler is one of the top players in the NBA. It's simple as that. See, the thing is, I don't see a three-team deal working out because, I mean, with Boston, I mean, what uh, what are you going to get from Boston? What are you going to get from Minnesota? You're going to try what? and get Avery Bradley. That's number one. All right, so you're going to give Bradley's going to go to Boston. I mean, they have a multiple two to pick, so you get the 16th. So you get Bradley and you get, I mean, well, where's Butler going? Is he going to Minnesota? He would have to go to Boston? Minnesota. But Boston, but Boston wants a superstar. And Boston would, Boston, it depends, though. That's the thing, like, there would have to be multiple moves involved in this deal. Now I'm just thinking hypothetically, and of course I just don't see it. Happening. No, I, I don't see. Yeah. I don't see the fact that the Bulls and Wolves agree on a deal, or Bulls and Celtics. So if it is going to happen, I feel like a three-team deal is going to be have to be in place. But I just don't see any of it happening. In I, my opinion, I I, w- I think the Bulls will panic just knowing Gar Garpax how shitty they're they run, gonna how just, they're gonna overpay team. for Biombo whatever the hell his name is. But they're not gonna pay Bismack Biombo. They're gonna they're, overpay for him. Just watch. No, 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 he's not. They're not gonna go after Biombo. We'll see, man. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I think if uh, the most likely landing spot for him is the Celtics, but I don't think the Celtics will do it. Just mainly because they don't want to you know destroy their core. They have they have smart. In the back, but he's not the shooter that Bradley is. They don't have a guy like Jay Crowder. No, I mean outside of Demar Carroll, there's not a lot of players like Jay Crowder. I mean, looking at this this deal, I think the Bulls aren't going to be able to get rid of Jimmy Butler, Agreed. and I don't think they should. And I think they should. I think they want to get rid of Rose, and I, but I just best don't possible think they can. scenario is they, they acquire Rose. they acquire the fifth pick, and that's not going to happen. They acquire the fifth pick, and they keep their fourteen. They grab Buddy Heald, and they no, get they no, get Zabonis. And that's no. and I'm I'm happy with that. If that happens, no. good. No, you need a point I'm excited. Guard. You can you can find a point guard. You're gonna uh, you could draft a point guard next year when Rose is done. If you if uh, Heald's you not Heald's not the answer hey, in Chicago. Let me tell you that Heald is a he could he's not the blossom answer. into a lockdown shooter. Who knows? Hey, this is all hypothetical. The We're kids, having fun here. Kids are good. In the hey, pen, kids, right? kids a good shooter. Kids a good player. He's out. He's obviously you know grown, and uh, you can see that as he's a four year four year player. But he's, he's not going like, to be anything special. Well, you, you see his ceiling and what he's what he's done in, uh, in college. You've seen his what he's going to be. We'll see, man. He's, I, he's not a good defender. I, I I read up on this guy, and a lot of people that I trust, media sources who look at Buddy Hield, and they say that he's going to become something. So if I'm the Bulls, go for it. Might as well at this point. He'll be a great. He'll be a great shooter. He'll be a great offensive player. He'll be like Rudy Gay. I mean, but I mean, he's not. He's not a defensive player. He's not any any anywhere near. I mean, the obviously, that he, yeah. Butler his is. stock rose absolutely in the during the conference tournament. So and, and the national tournament. But hey, whatever. <laughs> Bulls are screwed until they figure out what to do with their their front office, and that's not going to change unless Jerry Reinsdorf dies, unfortunately. So yeah, or they. The Bulls completely tank, and it's just they have to fire guard packs, which I would love it. Freaking should have happened three years ago. Anyway, all I right. Agree. Jimmy Butler's not going anywhere. Derrick Rose isn't going anywhere. That's what I think we're, we, the ultimate conclusion we came out to in this conversation. So let's move on to some fun Chicago Bears football stuff because minicamp has ended, and my God, I'm I'm looking forward to training camp once that starts at the end of July, right? Have you ever gone to training camp? No, I haven't. You know, I I, I uh, almost had credentials to go down there, but I didn't. I couldn't make the drive, unfortunately. And that it's was not... during uh, Trustman's era, by the way. Oh, nice. Bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's not bad. It's pretty cool though. I, I you yeah. know, just see how a professional football team runs their practice. It's, yeah. Well, now it's a professional football team. Maybe not a couple years ago. 
Yeah, and, and one good thing about the Bears, uh, you hear that Leonard Floyd's putting on some putting on some weight, so that's what you wanted from your uh, first-round draft pick. Well, yeah, that, and I heard Willie Young was like, man, this guy needs to put on weight. What the hell are you talking about? This guy's a beast. So, <laughs> I mean, that's a good sign, I guess. But what, yeah. I, what I've seen so far, uh, the rumblings and the—oh, by the way, you, you see what happened with Elshon Jeffrey? Elshon yeah, Jeffrey shows weight. up to minicamp uh, because he has to, mm-hmm. not because he wants to, but— he took all the voluntary OTAs to work out in Florida away from the team, and then he gets up to the team and he's asked all these questions, and he really doesn't know what to say. Did you see that? Yeah. Well, because I don't think the Bears really like Jeffrey right now. I think uh, they're letting him. Well, because honestly, you see him stumble upon that press conference and all the questions that he answered, mm-hmm. uh, mainly about his contract and why wasn't he there. He just really it wasn't very convincing to me that he wanted to be in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, with Jeffrey, I don't know if it's a, per- a personal thing. I don't know what's really going on with him. But, I mean, he, he, did, he did lose a ton of weight, and he's he's looking good. So, as I mean, long as he can stay healthy. Yeah, I mean, if, as long as he can stay healthy. And he's going to get paid. I, I hope that something can get worked out. I mean, it's only a one-year deal, so we'll definitely see what they can work out later on. But we'll, I, I hope we can keep Jeffrey around. And if not, hopefully Kevin White has a beastly mm-hmm. year. And Marquise Wilson, another... Why he broke his foot. He broke his foot. Man, this guy can't Damn freaking kid. stay healthy. This guy, I don't even know if he's good. Is he good? Who I'm, knows? Because he can't stay healthy. I'm on. I'm on the be- the side of just cutting him. Yeah, I, mean, I, I don't you're, know. He's at this never going to see the field. I mean, the kid might have a lot of potential, but sure, will yeah, we he ever can see that. the field. Got some speed, good, yeah. good hands. But man, you you get hurt over and over again. You're not going to be on a team for very long. Um, the only one down thing is we can't see what Braverman can do now because you I'm, know, I'm excited about him. Yeah, I, I am too. But like with Wilson, he's not a he's not a slot receiver, and Braverman's going to play the slot no matter what. So him it, and we, Eddie Royal. Basi- yeah, basically, I'm hoping for an Eddie Royal injury so we can see Braverman. Oh, Braverman will be in there regardless because I'm sure. Eddie Royal's old and slow now. Yeah, I, I, I hope and so. It hurts. But, but I mean, I think you know, with Jeffrey's attitude, I think he'll be able to put it aside because I think he is a, a prof- professional enough to put that away and, and yeah, step we'll out on the field. I hope so. Yeah, I, I really hope so. I, I, f- I feel like he would be once. Able to. Uh, once the season gets going a little bit more, I know John Fox canceled his last day of minicamp because he's a great guy and mm-hmm. he said that they earned it, so they got a day off, but which is cool. Uh, but with this Jeffrey thing, you know, I don't really think that he's going to be back next year. Uh, it depends. I know this is in June, and yeah. it's very early, very early. A lot has to do with whether or not he can be on the field, and if he does and he produces to an extraordinary extent that we kind of assume that he will, especially you saw what he did when he was healthy a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. He was he was Cutler's go-to guy. He could just throw it up, and Jeffrey's there. But, you know, he's going to get paid, and I don't think the, the Bears are going to be willing to give him the max deal that he is going to demand, like some type of Des Bryant stuff. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. I think this is, might be the last year we see Elshon Jeffrey. This is just me. I wouldn't put it past uh, Jeffrey just because I feel like he might want to be in a different place than Chicago. And he might want to be. Uh, well, he just wants to get paid. A, yeah, maybe. I was about to say he probably wants a, a larger contract. But if he can't stay healthy, then he's not going to get that contract. But uh, with Jeffrey and, and Kevin White, if those two can produce, I think I, I think we'll be uh, in a good place in Chicago. I think I think. If Cutler, I think Cutler has you know already a repertoire with with Jeffrey, and if he can develop that with Kevin White, I think we'll we'll, we'll see one of Jay Cutler's best years. Oh, Jay Cutler is going to have another really good year, and he mentioned it himself. Obviously, this year wasn't going to be the same type of playbook with Adam Gase gone, but the backbone of the offense will still be there. Mm-hmm. But the thing is with with Dow Loggins is now that with the more weapons that Color has at his disposal, they're going to do some different things. They're going to stretch the field way more than they did last year, obviously, because you won't have Mark Mariani being the only guy who could run downfield. So 
it's going to be exciting what they can do with Kevin White. I'm very much looking forward to Kevin White because he looks legit. Mm-hmm. He, I think he can develop, like I said many times before, into a reliable top receiver in the in National Football League. I think he's just that good, and I think I have that much confidence in him. Yeah, it's it's really, I mean, if Kevin White can stay on the field and put away his injuries aside, I think he's going to be fantastic. He might be offensive. Well, he wouldn't be. Would he be offensive? I mean, he technically it would be a rookie, right? Oh, yeah, he's a rookie. Yeah, so, I mean, he might be competing for offensive rookie of the year. I mean, he's going to have to go up against Zeke Elliott, but we'll definitely see how Zeke does in Dallas. I think I think Kevin White can have a season where he would be in discussion there. I think Alshon, if Alshon can stay healthy, we definitely can see what Alshon can do. And I think Kevin White will probably be more of uh, a guy who would be running short to intermediate routes where Alshon would probably be... Well, no, Kevin, I'll flip that. Alshon would be running short to intermediate routes where Kevin White would be going more down the field. Definitely short uh, field. With, with, Cutler's, with Cutler's arm. I think I think those two on the outside will definitely be uh, beneficial for the, the Bears and kind of bring them back to uh, the Marshall and Jeffrey days. The one downfall is you're losing Bennett, but but then again, yeah. it, might, it yeah. might be helping because... Bennett no, Bennett did not yeah, suck. He's bad. Bennett did not suck. He's bad. He's going to have a great year in New England. Maybe because he's with a a team that he actually wants to play for. That, well, yeah. He, Bennett didn't suck. He just didn't want to be in Chicago. He was bad. That's, he couldn't block. What, he couldn't catch. Bad. Uh, Bennett, all right. I, <laughs> I, I disagree, but, you know, I think it's going to it's gonna take away from uh, target-wise, but at least you're going to get a guy in Zach Miller who wants to be I in I really Chicago. like what they have on the offensive side for Cutler now. They have reliable options pretty much everywhere. They have He has a, yeah, I mean, he has a good repertoire with Mark Mariani. He... Obviously, you know what you could do with Jeffrey. Kevin White's a work in progress, but you know he's going to be reliable. And Zach Miller, too, at the same time. So, Collar has a but plethora of options this year. Then again, I'm kind of wary at, like, all right, what, what is, can Eddie Royal do anything? Can Mariani, I mean, as long I'm as he's not, healthy, he could, he could play a role. I'm not even too high on Mariani. I mean, with, with a guy I like, like Zach Miller, can he even stay healthy? How's Lankford going to do in a starting role? Sure. I mean, there's, oh, a lot, yeah, no, there's a lot I know. of questions. This is, uh, this is very similar to the Chicago Cubs going into 2015 as the Bears are going into this year. It's a little, let's see what happens kind of year. Let's, let's, Stay the ever optimist, and whatever happens, all the good. It's, Everything is good now, right? With it, the Bears, it's kind of terrifying saying that. I think, I think out of everyone on this this offense, I think I have mo- most of my faith in Jay Cutler. That's there we the scariest go, baby. thing. Is hey, saying that's that not I have, scary? Are you kidding me? Well, I mean, what? <laughs> I think he's probably the longest tenured player on that offense. Oh yeah, uh, no now doubt. That Forte's gone during so the Bears. I mean, during his Bears tenure, he led in, uh, the league in interceptions twice. But that's oh not God. all entirely his fault. It's because of the offensive systems. And I, to this day, to my grave, will say that it's not. Jay Culler's fault that the Bears haven't won while he was there. So I, I would agree with that. Absolutely, you have to. He had nothing. But <laughs> we'll save the color conversation for another show. I know we wanted to maybe get to it today, but it's all right. Different time, another time. We are running very late here. We should get going. Sean, you guys did a NFC North preview, correct? Uh, Ricky and Mark did Ricky for and Mark the did. Uh, onside kick. Onside kick. You guys should listen to the onside kick right here on mostvailablepodcast.com because it kicks ass. And all you NFC North fans. And we got a lot of NBA draft stuff going on uh, this Saturday for the uh, fast break. Make sure you're staying tuned for that as well. Sean, what's your Twitter? Gosh, at Schwarbo, after uh, Kyle Schwarber. <laughs> you should follow him at on Twitter and then follow us at Most Valuable Podcast, Most Valuable Pod, as well as on Snapchat. We still doing the Snapchat thing? Yeah, at Most Valuable Pod. At Most You've Valuable Pod. You've been snapping pod. me uh, some wrestling uh, Snapchats. Wait, is that the one I'm sending it to? Yeah. Okay, yeah, because I have three Sean, so I don't know <laughs> which one, but whatever. And you can follow me at Rankin906 on Twitter. Make sure, though, the most important thing is to subscribe to us on YouTube at Most Valuable Podcasts. We're, we're doing pretty well for ourselves. We're almost at 2K. And we, uh, we like appreciate more. all of you for listening. Thank you very much to staying with us. And this is a very special Sean Anderson, Mike Rankin edition of Behind the Pen, and we will see you all next time.
Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.